0: What is up everyone? Welcome to episode three of Hoopside Chats. I am Keegan Remy-Miller and as always alongside me is Naresh Ayala. What's up Naresh?
1: How's it going Keegan?
0: You know I'm doing all right, probably better than you considering (laughs) you have what PT, you have finals, you have final projects, you have an internship. Um, I only have a job so (laughs) I'm doing okay.
1: Dude last week was my last week of the internship so I had to get close to 25 hours done because I so when I got hurt when I got hurt that first I had I couldn't go into my internship um so I missed a lot of hours there so I had to make all those up and then last week was the end of that and, and I had like two final presentations I had three exams in the span of like 24 hours and I had a final oh. project due and it's not fun <laughs>
0: What a senior year! We we, we kind of messed up our, up our timing time on this podcast, I guess. So we'll be it. we skipped a week. Uh, we're back. All sorts of interviews lined up. Um, in the meantime, though, two weeks missed. A uh, couple of cool new uh, advancements in the world of Quidditch. Uh, first off, USQ not only hit their thirty thousand dollar goal, but hit their double that sixty thousand dollar goal, which is super cool. Uh, thanks to everyone in the community who donated. I know it means a lot to both of us, this community, so it's it's awesome that, that at least for now, Quidditch seems to be saved. Other cool news that we missed, because it happened a little while ago, was a new club team coming out of Boston named the Boston Pandas. Announced they're going to run a 3-3 jetter set all year next year, which is pretty cool. I don't think the club team has done that before. Uh, and it will be run by Lulu Zhu and Grace Astu, who have both been playing Quidditch in Boston for a number of years and are excellent players. Um, I'm sure they'll be, they'll be excellent leaders for this team as well. Any thoughts,
1: Rash? Yeah, no, I, th- I love this team coming out and just everything that they're about, where they're really focused on the empowering of female and gender non-conforming players and coaches, and just the overall goals that they've set forth in their post where they talk about how... Their, ex- their expectations of their players uh, is coming into every week, coming into every practice, just put out your best. And we are. they're pretty much wanting to make their players the best they can be. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And, uh, to mention this team, this team is going to be,
0: really like, so good anyway. <laughs> With all the Boston talent and then oh, yeah. the next generation of kids graduating, like, oh, yeah, this team is going to be so good.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, think they have, I think their captains for next year are going to be um, a couple of – graduating college players which in Finn McGargan and Emma Wolf, both out of the Tufts program and their head coach is Isabella Leone and assistant coach with Teddy Costa so they got the perfect blend of experience and uh, youth I guess you want to say.
0: Not to mention a lot of people who are, are going to be very good at helping develop newer players or even older players who have, who have never had a a lot of hands-on development and coaching. Yeah, 100%. Um, so uh, it's very yeah, exciting so, to
1: see what this team can do going into the next season. Yeah, cool things coming out of Boston.
0: Um, I think with that, we will throw it to our interview. At this point, it's a few weeks old. It is with Tom DeMuth and CJ Carter, both of UVM Quidditch. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. I don't think we talked about anything that was relevant at the time, so... Might not be too much uh, lag, even, even though we interviewed him two weeks ago. But with that, we'll throw it off to them. Seems good, right? Today, we have two guests with us. First off, a junior at the University of Vermont. He plays keeper, is currently vice president and speaking captain of the UVM Quidditch team. He is also a practice squad keeper for the MLQ Boston Knight Riders, and at least once has commentated for the 8th man on a live stream. It is CJ Carter. What's up, CJ? Hey, guys. How's it going?
1: How's it going? How good. It's going.
0: And alongside him is his teammate at UVM, a senior who will be graduating uh, this spring. He plays beater. He's currently UVM's president and coach. And was a member of the uh, MQC fantasy tournament. Purple People Beaters. Tom Demuth. What's up, Tom? Hey, how's it going?
1: How's it going? Um, how are y'all doing today?
2: Pretty good. Pretty good. How's so cool work going?
0: Okay. Yeah, everyone has to be social distance.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm actually still up here in Burlington in my apartment.
0: That's fine. CJ, where are you at? Are you still in Vermont I, I'm or
3: back home in Massachusetts? So I'm. Um, away from Tom, um, hmm. sadly. Yeah.
0: What what town of Massachusetts do you live in? I'm from Massachusetts.
3: Uh, a small town called Air.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I remember highway signs for that. Yeah. That's north of Boston, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. it's like 35-45 minutes out.
1: So I have a question, just like right off the bat real quick. You guys, if you guys tell someone you're from Massachusetts or something, right? Do you do the, mm-hmm. do you ever get the oh, are you from like Southie question?
0: Southie? Um, no. Right. The, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, uh...
3: I mean, yeah, yeah if you I'm have a fucking
0: like, crazy like, Boston accent.
3: But... Yeah. I don't. You know. The so... wicked ad piss of people from Boston. Fucking hell. You know, like, people, like, um, I get, I get that question, but it's mostly the people who think that they know Massachusetts and actually don't. It's like, oh, like, you're from Boston. And, like, I'm just not going to explain that I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Um <laughs> so I'm like, yeah sure why not we'll go I my, enough time there
0: my dad and my brother both kind of have accents um even though we're not from Boston at all and people will like know me and then meet my dad and be like, why does your dad sound like that you sound nothing like that <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm
3: like yeah I guys <laughs> get, I get closer to the border if we're driving for a tournament the closer I get the stronger the accent is um it just might be the drivers get worse I don't know but the
0: drivers I think Massachusetts drivers are good. Everyone is equally aggressive. If you count for the driver to
2: be aggressive, you're okay. Agreed.
3: Yeah, it's all on the same level. <laughs> so As somebody who's driven
2: driven around there, Connecticut is definitely the worst.
3: Oh I, mean, I used size, to live yeah. in Connecticut.
1: That was bad. Um But yeah, no, what would you guys say is worse? Jersey driving or Massachusetts driving? Because I've had my parents go to Jersey and for
2: say sure. They hate it. Jersey.
3: Yep. Jersey wasn't that bad. When we came when we came to Knights Cup, it, like I was I was driving the van and it, it didn't seem that bad. We got there at like
2: eleven thirty at night. CJ,
0: I was gonna say we're gonna we're gonna do this whole interview backwards, but I like that segue. Y'all came to Knights Cup in Rutgers a few weeks ago from Burlington. How long did that drive take? Like seven hours. Like five
3: five and a half, give or take. I was gonna, it took it took my van a little bit longer because we got pulled over. But <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, uh, we... I've. We got lost in the in the back roads of Vermont. We usually take uh, like 87 and then cut over to 89. These are highways, yeah, um, yeah. And then and then get to Burlington. And the GPS was just like, nope, not having it. And we were all of a sudden like one o'clock in the morning on some back roads, and I'm doing 50 miles an hour in a 50. And Vermont cops are really cheeky, so they park at the bottom of a hill where it turns to 30. So I got pulled over for doing fifty and a thirty, going down a hill. Like I, I there's nothing I could have done.
0: Yeah, because you guys, you guys had those huge vans. You brought a full twenty-one person ro- roster down to Rutgers. Um, was do you guys often do trips like that? I mean, obviously your MQC drives are whatever three hours long. But did you spend yeah. the night in Jersey?
2: Yeah. So the the only people that are really around us, as far as Quidditch goes, is Middlebury, um, and while we do enjoy playing them, we don't do all too many official things with them, so it's, it's hard to get in official games, so we have to drive basically every single tournament that we go to, and the closest one is Boston, which is like three hours away, um, so our team has is used to doing those long drives. Um, when we were unofficial, we would go to Vassar. Uh, two times a year to to play them, and that's like a five hour drive as well. Um, so I we, we're, five we're hours from you guys? To, They're in like upstate yeah. New York. Yeah huh. it's 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 just like it's west enough that it's hard to get there. No them,
0: major highways. Like that. Yeah,
3: That's stinks. Yeah. yeah, it's not convenient to get yeah. there.
0: Have either of you ever driven up to Canada? I looked it up. McGill is less than two hours from you guys. They used to have a strong Quidditch program.
2: Yeah, so we actually um, had a small contingent that went there unofficially last year, and both unofficial as in USQ and unofficial as in not from the school. We actually have been told we're not allowed to go into Canada. and, and <laughs> By compete, the university? Yeah, and compete uh, in the university. It has something to do with the insurance, yada, yada, yada. But unfortunately, we can't play McGill, um, and we can't host them either. That stinks
0: because they're it's weird, but they are closer to you than than you are to Boston.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, we, we actually played <sighs> them um, at Vassar, I think two maybe maybe a year or two two ago, um, and they were yeah they were a good team. It was quite fun.
1: And I'm sorry, Keegan, go ahead.
0: All right, I was going to say let's let's take a step back. Um, a lot of people listening probably don't know UVM's story. So uh, UVM was one of the initial. Uh, Quidditch teams, obviously right near Middlebury, they they had a team pretty early, and they were official the first year regionals happened in, in the 2012-13 season, and then they went unofficial
2: uh, until this year. Is that right? Uh, I I believe five years ago, they were official, um, so it might have 14, been 14-15 yeah. they were official.
0: And then this was the first year since, though. Yes, so is this both your first seasons playing official? Yes. That's a pretty good run. You win D2 and MQC, get a bid for nationals. Um, no non-playing coach. That's that's a pretty cool accomplishment considering um, you played so many years on official. How, how did you make that all happen?
2: Yeah, so... Um... Basically, four years ago, when, when I was a freshman, um, I joined Quidditch and the team was much less. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, we always
0: start with this. Why did you join Quidditch?
2: That's fair. Okay, so this is an even better story. <laughs> um, all right, so many people know Steve Volitsky as one of the top beaters from Rochester, as well as uh, just a general of the Northeast. Um, but Steve Volitsky was actually my camp counselor.
3: A- wait, wait okay, I'm going to interrupt because
0: I know CJ's story. Yeah, so no, Steve
3: it's, it's sort of similar. You we, can finish, we can finish and Tom's first, and then, and then I'll just mirror his. I, I won't. I'll go, I'll go halfway. Everybody else. Uh, yeah, so, so
2: Steve was my counselor uh, at camp, and then he was also uh, my coworker at camp, because I, I was also a counselor eventually. And he actually brought Quidditch to the camp. Um, And then when I was going off to college, uh, to the University of Vermont, I had already um, sent in all my stuff and said, yes, yada, yada, yada. And then that summer before I actually got there, um, he introduced Quidditch and we we started playing a little bit with the the Chitlins. And he was like really good at it. And I didn't know how good he was in, in actual Quidditch. And he like showed me some stuff and it was like a lot of fun. Um, and then when I actually got to the university in the fall, I, I, I played two sports um, that aren't Quidditch. I, I played volleyball and Frisbee. Um, and I was looking at those teams, and then I stumbled across Quidditch. And it was either play Frisbee, because that was a much bigger time commitment, or play Quidditch and volleyball. Uh, so I just sort of kind of showed up at Quidditch. And it was, it was very good fun. Very good fit. <laughs> so that's... That was unofficial. That
0: was, what was your freshman year? 15, 16? 16, 17? 16, 17. Yep. 16, 17. So did y'all practice? Did you travel to games? I'd like, I don't really know what unofficial team Yeah, so so, so
2: as, a, as an unofficial squad um, for the first three years of my Quidditch career, um, we we actually did very similar things. Um, we had a, enough people to run practice, give or take. Um, we could we could almost always scrimmage. Uh, we we had that many people come, uh, and yeah, we went to a fair amount of tournaments actually. Um, my sophomore year specifically, we started going to a lot more. We actually went to um, a fantasy tournament, uh, King King's Cup. In um, Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah. yep. yes. Yeah. So that was the first time uh, that in, in the past uh, four years that UVM has, like, actually gone to a more competitive scene. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We we got to meet a lot of people from the community. It was pretty great.
1: So CJ, you mentioned, well, so Tom, you mentioned that how your uh, sophomore year, you guys started doing more competitive tournaments you guys started traveling to more tournaments and stuff does that coincide with when CJ joined the team because I know he is a year younger than you so where where did that change in culture come from where you you, you're saying you had enough people to practice and scrimmage so why didn't you guys take that next step and why did you guys wait uh, a couple years before you went official
2: yeah, I think CJ, you might be able to answer this
3: a little more because I think you have some stronger opinions. I do have some very strong. <laughs> opinions and we'll,
0: and we'll move board. back again, so we'll ask you the same question: Why did you join Quidditch?
3: Um So, in a very similar story to Tom's, Max Havlan was my summer camp counselor when I was around nine years old, um, and at this point, he was already uh, on. He played for BU at the time, still in college, running that team there. Uh, so, I'd probably played with him. For as long he was as he was working as a summer camp counselor, and then he eventually moved on to do other things. Um, so I I keep playing I keep playing Quidditch at camp. Um, I eventually become a counselor at summer camp. So now I'm teaching Quidditch to younger kids. Uh, Max and I stayed in touch, thankfully, and we had it was a it was a QCB practice. It was just an open practice on Boston Commons. Um, I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school. Uh, so I went to this open practice in Boston uh, and Max was there, so we got to catch up and I actually got to play with with real Quidditch players instead of just little kids. So that was a big change for me. But then I was like, wow, this is an actual blast when it's at full speed and people can catch the ball. <laughs> so yeah, so the like the Boston community was like, yeah, you should totally stay in touch. Um, and this is right around when MLQ was forming. 2014-15
0: um, era?
3: Yeah, it's okay. yeah, so my freshman year of high school. So um, they're like, yeah, you should totally check out uh, Major League Quidditch. Um, it's a lot of fun. So I followed Major League Quidditch. I wasn't eligible to play, um, but I followed Major League Quidditch, followed Max, uh, became very familiar with the, the people on the Boston team, and when I was able to try out, I, I tried out. 17 years old i it was the summer i graduated high school from so i was transitioning from high school to, to college and was a member of the practice squad for the boston night riders harry greenhouse took a chance on me uh and let me practice with them uh, yeah so i've been playing with the riders ever since and they gave me a good a good push and uh i think a new a new aspect and, and look on quidditch
0: but max brought you into the, into the sport why aren't you beating
3: um, well, the funny thing was, is that like Max never beat at camp that Makes sense um, oh, okay. because <laughs> it was too unfair. He would always chase. Uh, Max is also a really big basketball guy. He loves basketball. Um, summer that I met him, he had actually broken his wrist, um, on his throwing hands. So he was playing left-handed everything we did. Um. So I don't, I don't know if that Im- impacted his decision to just chase at camp. I know he chases in fantasy tournaments a lot because he likes chasing. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, Max Ablin's playing Chaser. I should I should chase. And this is when I was a lot smaller. But then eventually, on Riders, Harry Greenhouse was like, no, you're too big to chase. You're going to play Keeper and you're going to hit people. Um, so yeah, that's how I got moved over to Keeper from Chaser and never once thinking about playing Beater. <laughs>
2: And he's so just not very
3: good at it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't throw a budget to save my life. My elbow gets thrown out every single time. All
0: right. So you join UVM, you've already been on an MLQ practice SWAT, and you then you go to a college with an unofficial team. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's why you have strong opinions about this.
3: I, it is. Um, we I I get up to school and I like made sure to wear my riders' jersey like on the club, <laughs> the club fair day uh and tom's like whoa that's an mlq team and i'm like yeah so we we get in touch and we realize we have this love for quidditch as the season goes on um uh, unfortunately the leadership of the team wasn't headed in the same direction tom and i were um they were very much our, our original team name was like the friendship athletes um so it was very much community-based uh i think we put the community and the friends above the game um so those those years where it was unofficial um it was looked more as like a as a get together type of deal um but like what tom was saying uh there was definitely enough people to have practices and go to tournaments and stuff uh so harry greenhouse in my in my year my freshman year of college is just like make sure you start talking about being competitive. Make sure people know what like real Quidditch is outside of like try and try and push people uh, to be, to be more competitive and maybe go official. So it took a couple years of convincing <laughs> and uh, the old leadership to finally graduate, but <laughs> we finally, we finally did it and we got some pretty positive thoughts from it.
1: That's awesome guys. I'm so happy for you guys. That's such a great story.
0: Well, I was, I was going to ask how, so you say you switched the culture, you went from being kind of a more hangout friend place to a, a more competitive team. How did you do that while while maintaining a roster of people? Because like I said, I mean, you came to Rutgers with 21 people, never mind being able to take 21 to, to regionals where even at Northeast regionals, we were seeing teams with only 12 or 13 people.
2: Yeah, um, I think that comes down to recruiting. Um, we we do a pretty good job recruiting here. Um, we do have a pretty big campus. We have about ten thousand students um, or undergraduate students um, to pull from. Um, but it's it's sort of Pretty big for the Northeast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. UT's got whatever thirty thousand. So yeah, whatever.
1: <laughs> hey, Rutgers got
0: thirty thousand. That's true. And we have like twenty five people on the team. So pretty good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, um, yeah. So so it. it it's helpful to, to have the recruitment, um, but specifically for like the tournaments, because um, we don't get them all that often, and they're they're sort of like a big deal. Um, everybody wants to go to them if they can, um, so usually we get enough people to go to tournaments. Uh, actually, this year, we, we had the The issue, actually, of having to tell one or two people um, they couldn't go just because the roster size um, only lets the 21 people go. But that's actually a good problem to have. Um, So it's really, really awesome to be able to get everybody to go. And specifically for for Knight's Cup, um, that was a do-or-die situation for uh nationals because that was that was our goal this whole entire season was just make it to nationals and then after that you know who cares we'll have fun go play at nationals um but the the fact that we got 21 people to go to that tournament is because we needed uh x amount of wins and we needed to sort of blow people out <laughs> which we did
1: yeah dude you guys performed <laughs> really well at that tournament and then you guys followed up uh that next weekend at mqc by beating boston University, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, um, of the games that you guys have played so far in the year, what would you say is probably your favorite game that you guys got to experience?
2: That's a good question. Um, I I think the the best one. Okay. Well, this is this is hard. So the best one was probably uh, Boston University, just because it was sort of kind of like a really big upset. And that was the the clinch of nationals. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, if we, if we won that game, we made it in. Um, but besides for that one, I would actually say um, the the first game of Knights Cup against Drexel. Um, we that was the first game that we played that day, and I, as one of the leaders, and I imagine CJ too, uh, we we were very nervous about how we were going to do. You know, we, we'd never played against Drexel. Um, we hadn't seen any film on them. Really, the only team that we had played there was uh, Syracuse and Rutgers, and we knew that they were both pretty good. So we were really concerned. And then that first game started, and the whole entire bench, it was just like yelling and cheering, and it was really amazing to, to see. And there was actually... Um, one particular chaser on our team, his name is Jared. He actually was just recruited this semester, um, and he was running on a breakaway, and the Drexel beater threw a, a pretty long beat at him, but it was right on target. But instead of blocking the beater, or b- blocking the bludger, like a normal person, by just like turning around and like hitting it, he put his arm behind his back with the quaffle, and blocked it behind his back <laughs> and then scored. And the, like, it, the crowd erupted. The UVM bench was insane. I had to like pull people off of the field. It was awesome.
0: Uh, you So the BU game, I remember, I've, I've watched that game two or three times on film. You didn't go in for like the first 10 or 12 minutes. Were you just coaching against Harry?
3: Are you actually me or Tom? Uh, you, I was in the game um, a lot. Um. It's kind of... We're, I didn't Yeah, it's kind of like it's a weird situation because we don't have a non-playing coach. So we really do need someone who has like a good Quidditch IQ to be on the bench and make sure everything is functioning well. Um, So it's it's some of that is a factor to have to have me on the sidelines and making sure that there's someone there to organize things, make sure everything on the field is okay, and being able to argue calls and stuff. But um, the other part of it is, is that Aiden shut our our freshman keeper, really good, <laughs> and he makes my job so much easier. I can I can kind of sit back a little bit and coach the team. In that video, um, or not in that video, but the the video that Ethan Sturm did um, with Harry Greenhouse and the, the professional commentary, they talk about a one-two punch, and it's it's very much a one-two punch of Aiden being the speed and me being the the truck. Um, it, it works well for for us he can run through people in open fields and I'll, I'll run through people and snitch on pitch so having me be on the bench for the 12 minutes wasn't really uh, it's not something we try and do often we try and get quick rotations because we have a pretty deep keeper line um but it, it just worked out the way it was i kept asking him every couple of minutes like hey you need to stop and he's like no i'm good so we kept him in cuz he was Did you doing did you fun. feel like
0: you were coaching against Harry or was it just like you were going to you were going to let Aiden play as long as he was hot?
3: Um I was I was probably more so letting Aiden play. Uh he was owning every single fast break he went on. Um so I was I was content to not get minutes and let him keep doing his thing.
0: For for anyone listening who doesn't know Aiden Shutt, um, the Massachusetts Quidditch Conference put out um, voting for like best X Y Z player of the year, and Aiden beat out Leo Fried of Harvard for most fan votes for Rookie of the Year MPC. Um, so he's he's going to be really good. For what it's worth, CJ and and Tom both didn't finish better than third for their fan voting stuff. So. Aiden's leading the right, team at that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah
1: to that up. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on, dog. No. <laughs> but um but now like speaking right off of that, we because we're talking about Aiden, um with Tom graduating, what does the season uh, look like for you guys next year? Who do you think is going to take that next big uh step up and really lead the
3: team? I really hope CJ. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I can breathe normally. I can just like watch what's happening. No. um I, I expect Aiden to continue performing at the level that he's at. We, we can clearly see the difference between his play um, between the fall semester and the spring semester spring semester um, had a lot more under his belt uh, was figuring out the offense a little bit more. Um, so I, conti- I I expect him to continue to play at the level that he played this spring. Uh, as far as uh, we have to we have to fill the gap obviously Tom, is, is a massive part of this team. People who know what they're talking about will argue that he carried us for all the blowout games, which he definitely did. Um, so losing him is going to be, is going to be a huge problem for us. We have, we have good beaters, um, Richie Abbott, who will now be president of UVMQ coming this next year. Um, fantastic person, fantastic beater. Um, but we're not sure who the next person up behind him is going to be, to to fill in the depth behind Tom. That's going to be our biggest our biggest question mark coming into next season. Yeah, well, Tom, where
0: are you headed off to with graduation? You still yeah. in Burlington? Going to be a non playing coach or?
2: Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, we're, I'm actually headed to Boston um, with my girlfriend, who is also a UVM Quidditch player. Her name is Claire Tilkey, um, and hopefully this Who's summer. Who's your competing partner, right? Yes, yeah.
0: So yeah. you're losing your entire top beating line. Okay.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, are, we are. We are. I, I was actually going to mention that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm headed to Boston. Um, and hopefully, we're both going to play for the Knight Riders. And then after that, uh, a club team in the
3: Bosnia Boston. Area. What was that?
0: Bosnia Revolution.
3: Uh, yeah. We'll probably break one it of those 2 They're the going to bring back QC.
2: Yeah, which one? <laughs> yeah, we'll bring yeah, back QC. direct it. Um, yeah, so it was one of those. Um, but then somebody that else else that I wanted to shout out for uh, UVM in the next year um, is Caroline Merkel. Um, I don't think she gets talked about enough, uh, and she is amazing at playing beater. Um, you can see in the, the other video, she has a, a really strong arm, really good game sense. Um, and I think Richie, as well as herself, um, they have to find two other people that, to help them out, but they're they're gonna do very well uh in the beating game specifically.
0: I mean that's what recruiting's for and and as long as you're leaving two good beaters behind, they can always help help out whoever's gonna be the coach and and go from there. So it's it's good that you aren't like graduating and leaving zero beaters behind.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So we could be in a worse spot than we are. <laughs>
1: Um. So, Tom, you are a senior. You are graduating soon. Um. And as a fellow senior, how does it, like, I can empathize with you with with everything that's going on with not being able to play Quidditch anymore for our last couple of weeks. How does How do you feel about it? Um. About not being able to go to Nationals and show what you've guys have accomplished so far.
2: Yeah. Um. It really sucks, to be honest. Um, this is basically what I wanted for the past four years, um, like since I joined Quidditch and knowing that a Nationals was possible. Um, like Steve, my sophomore year, he won USQ Nationals, the the college division. That was the first year of the club and college split.
1: That was the um, Rochester uh, BDT mm-hmm. game. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He, he and Perry were a uh, were force to be reckoned with. Um, but yeah, this is basically what I've wanted for the past four years. Um, so it, it's pretty devastating not to be able to go to nationals. Just being in that community um, is something that I've always wanted. I, I don't think there's any chance that we win uh, nationals, but honestly, I think there was a small chance that we got out of flight play. play. Um, I, I think the the quarantine cup didn't show everything that we had because uh, we were definitely like increasing in skill. As we went.
0: um... I mean, uh, playing you guys at at Knights Cup, you you had better offensive structure than 95% of college teams out there and probably better offensive structure than any college team with a non-playing coach, without a non-playing coach. Like, I was watching you guys play and I was like, oh, it looks like you actually learned from MQC and you implemented those plays, or not MQC, MLQ, and you implemented those plays into your offense and you know how to execute them.
3: Yeah, it, was, it um, was one of those things where I kind of stole my from, from riders. It was obviously um, having Greg Bonteau and Nick Jablonski as the coaches of last season. Um, it, everything was focused on how can we break a 2-2 zone, um, looking specifically at Austin, um, knowing that mm-hmm. we would probably have to play them later on. Um, so I've, I've been taking notes for every season that I've been with riders and making sure to implement it in our offense moving forward. And we didn't really implement the 2-2 zone in the fall um, for defense. And we didn't really work on trying to break it um, on offense. But we realized um, through uh, going from fall to spring semester that we were like, "Well, if we're going to make this push, then we're going to have to do something about zone uh, and how to do it. So we did did several weeks worth of workshopping and making sure people knew. on offense what we were going to do to beat it, and on defense what to do uh, to use it to our advantage.
0: Did you do that? Was it film sessions or at practice or on a clipboard?
3: It was a lot of practice walkthrough through session, um, sessions, just making sure people knew uh, where to be where, when the ball was on one side of the field or what to do if the play breaks down. Um, a lot of it was making sure people understood the concept of like attacking from the side because um, that flattens out the 2-2 zone, and allows us to attack and then push it out to the wings. Um, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of spatial awareness, uh, having people physically there in person at practice was the biggest,
2: biggest help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would say most of our chasers actually don't come from a field sport background. Um, so just the concept of space versus like empty space um, is, isn't something that comes naturally to them. So we, we had to sort of teach them and, and fill them in on that. Um, but honestly, the biggest help that I got um, trying, trying to teach um, something that like I didn't really know um, was <laughs> there was a, a video from Ethan Sturm from I think two years ago. It was called The Coaching Corner. Yeah. Corner, it Coaches Corner, yeah. It, it, was, it was how you break down a 2-2 versus man. And I just, like, basically did that at practice for, like, uh, three weeks we've in a row. we that video
0: to our team. Yeah. It, As it, you can was, imagine, two people who started a Quidditch podcast have watched just about everything there is out there.
2: That's fair. Yeah. No, it, we, we just did that for, like, three weeks until... We, we all sort of understood what was going on, and then a couple of the, the key players really knew what was going on. That's awesome. um, do you have indoor practice space? Yes, we do. Yeah, it, it is unfortunately <laughs> about six to eight feet too small um, for a USQ regulation field because it's not wide enough, um, which is really unfortunate. I thought we were going to be able to play a, a couple official tournaments in there, there.
0: Is it on turf?
2: Yeah, it's it's like a weird oh, AstroTurf awesome. turf thing. You like if you like drop something, a bunch of like dust comes up. It's it's weird. It's not super awesome, but it's not. The worst.
0: I mean, Rutgers doesn't have anything indoors and and when I was at Brandeis in college, we played on tennis courts, indoor tennis courts. So Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> <It's pretty laughs> yeah,
3: we we're definitely yeah. definitely pretty spoiled. We had to ask for um, practice times outside for the winter because we knew we were gonna have tournaments outside Yep. <laughs> um, so we were having practices probably like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, making sure people could catch the ball in cold weather. That was our biggest concern. Bro, people I love did that dedication. Like
2: <laughs> when I announced that, people were not happy about that.
3: Oh,
1: dude, that honestly reminds me of a story last semester where um, in previous years, if it was raining, we wouldn't practice. Like the team wasn't going kind to of practice. But last yeah, year, ever yeah. since like Keegan took over as head coach, we were like, you know what? If it rains, it's gonna rain. It is what it is. So, and with our luck in Jersey, it practically rained every Thursday practice, oh, and it was one God. of the worst experiences ever. And and it became a running joke where we were like, "Yeah, dude, it's gonna rain at regionals. We're gonna kill it." And like, guess what happened? You did. Yeah. <laughs> we went <laughs> regionals. It was a swimming pool. <laughs> we went one in three day one, and we were like, uh, "Ah, now it's over." And then day two it rained. We were like. All right, this is what we we're prepped for. So like, <laughs> it, so practice makes perfect, and um, it's pretty dope that you guys had your entire team out there at nine in nine o'clock at night in Vermont. It must have been cold, guys.
3: Yeah, it was like probably between I'd say like ten or twenty degrees oh my God. every night. If we were lucky, it was thirty. Yeah, it was only for like an hour, but it
2: it was a lot of fun actually.
0: <laughs> Speaking of cold Quidditch, uh, fantasy Quidditch often a summer activity um however you all have participated in some outdoor winter um fantasy stuff first of all with the mqc one last thanksgiving so how did that go down for for you guys obviously that's a huge commitment if you drove like the three hours unless yeah. you're already in boston
2: so actually that weekend um it was in november i forget exactly
3: when um, I think it was
0: like the wasn't it right after thanksgiving or right before thanksgiving
3: there's like a weekend before Thanksgiving or, or before, okay. it, was, yeah. no, it was before Thanksgiving. Yeah,
2: it was definitely the weekend before uh, Thanksgiving. But the the way it worked, actually, we were both lucky and unlucky that the Vassar tournament, I think it's the Butterbeer Classic uh, that we always went to as an unofficial team, was that weekend as well. And then the fantasy tournament was on Sunday. So our team actually decided that we were going to go to Vassar on Saturday and then to the MQC Fantasy on Sunday. So the MQC Fantasy didn't go super well for, for me. I think <laughs> a lot of other of my teammates, it went pretty well. It was a lot of fun just, like, being out there and not playing with the same people and just, like, getting getting to know more of the community was was especially uh, very fun. Um, but, no, we we, uh, we we actually won the Butterbeer Classic um, relatively easily i don't want to say that i brag so, who are you beating uh, partners what was that who are your beating partners at that team oh so the the purple people beaters um was actually a team that was uh drafted by serena and emma who are both tufts beaters and they actually just drafted all beaters, um, so I mean, we, had, we had beaters can
0: chase, but chasers can't beat, which is, that, makes sense why you won.
2: <laughs> that was the theory. Oh no, no, we did not win the MQC.
0: Oh, I thought you said you'd won that
2: easily. We won the Vassar one
0: pretty. Oh, uh, the Vassar one easily, yeah,
2: because yeah, it was it was all unofficial teams. Um, but no, for the MQC, it didn't go very well. <laughs> it turns out, beater or chasers can beat.
0: Especially with some of the more experienced club players out there.
2: Yep, <laughs> yeah,
3: it was kind of a big, a big recognition. It was like a the first time I think a lot of our team had seen uh, club club players in action. Um, so having already come off a pretty long Saturday mm-hmm. um, playing at Butterbeer Classic, and then going to that, people were gassed. So I think. They had more fun meeting people in the community. It was a weird culture shock for me, just having so many like of my like I consider like the the Boston community, my family, uh, and then the, the UVM team, also my family. And it was like the in laws meeting. <laughs> it was it was it was weird.
0: Uh, and fantasy Quidditch can be a pretty big shock to to college kids who haven't participated before, especially the Boston scene is usually largely uh, a lot of drinking going on. Um, and surprisingly, there's a lot of players who are pretty good drunk. So <laughs> that one, that one the, was actually interesting.
2: Clean. The uh, the MQC one. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it, was in, it was mostly like young, younger college kids. So I yeah, think oh, okay. yeah. I oh, say so it was like done? 80% college kids, and then also it was in the Harvard Stadium. So if I think if anybody was drinking in the Harvard Stadium, we wouldn't Harvard would get that angry. Game. Yeah. So.
3: It was also meant to be like a workshop session. So, Harry did a good job of like marketing it as like a fantasy tournament, but then also involving a lot of the community members that were going to be there anyway. Um, Club current, members? Yeah. The, the <laughs> workshops. Sorry, this is like how old school I am. I still call it community. Um, it's a good they, show, did, by the way. they did workshops for like the college players and stuff. So, it, it kind of had to be taken seriously in that regard. Um, things didn't get that out of hand.
2: Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a good growth um, for everybody, and we, we were really excited that we could go. Um, we were actually really excited as well. There was going to be a um, only uh, female identifying um, workshop. I think it was supposed to be in May. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, but it, Femme Fatale? Yeah. It, it was, it was gonna separate. But, it was going to
0: be separate from Femme Okay,
3: Grace, too, 2, uh, Lulu, Zoo, we're going to run it. I feel a few like Leanne, I think was going to be there. Leanne Dillman, um, like strong female players in the Boston area. We're going to, we're going to have a female only workshop. I knew all of our female players were really interested in going to that uh, until obviously we were all locked inside.
0: So uh, before everyone got locked inside, obviously we've talked a lot about you guys are driving all over the place. I'm just, I'm really interested in various teams, uh, driving culture and road trip culture. So, what do you guys do? Do you have assigned van seats? Do you do telling stories, doing playlists? How do how do you get around places?
2: It's a wonderful question. So, we are um, lucky enough with our school. uh, The student government association has a couple of twelve passenger vans that they like rent out to clubs when they go places. Um, So, our traditional driving culture is we get two. 12 passenger vans and then we drive a long time (laughs) to go play I I love
0: that because where I went to college the club sports like the athletic department had like 13 12 passenger vans that club sports teams could get oh nice so we would similarly do the you get two vans and I remember my freshman year we went to like freaking we we did uh, a tournament Saturday and a home meet Sunday, like seven different weekends that year because we we're just like, we can drive anywhere.
3: <laughs> it yeah. That's true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's basically um, mom and dad get in the one van and then the two sons get in the other van and mom and dad, mom and dad is be, yeah. myself and Claire because we are dating. And so it's mom and dad and we're both seniors and then CJ and Richie, who are, were both mentioned, they get the other van. Um, and then mom and dad's van is very chill. There, there's not a lot going on there. We basically just drive there, listen to music, and
3: that's it. I don't know what happens in the uh, <laughs> like other van. Our van, honestly, is pretty much the same. Um, Richie and I have a respect for one another where whoever's driving gets to pick the music. I know that's not often the case. Um but my taste in music gets pretty bizarre. So most of the time, it's just people in the backseat heckling me for <laughs> not I listen to. Hey, as long Other as it's, it's not a country, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. <laughs> <laughs> CJ. It's not that, it, I swear, it's not It's not a majority country. It's a majority of...
0: of and he's uh, going to school in Vermont, so there's going to be some weird shit
3: in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a uh, lot, lot of folk, weird stuff.
0: So,
1: CJ, how did uh, mom and dad react when they found out you got pulled over for speeding?
3: They weren't that upset. My my dad is UVM alumni as well, so he knew exactly where we were driving. Um, He, he knew the roads pretty well. Um, I think, I think and, I, met I, I, Clare. Clare. I, <laughs> <Clare>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tom, I think, could have cared less. Well, you didn't get we were, a take for any though. I if you'd have gotten a ticket, time.
2: I would have been pissed because then I would have had to deal with SGA and yeah. like getting a ticket
3: paid for or so whatever. We, we got pulled over at 1 o'clock in the morning. I still had my eye black on from the tournament. Everyone <laughs> reeked. And like the cop comes over the door. Um, I roll down the window, super polite, ready to go. License, registration, ready to go. He looks in the window, sees me with the eye black on. I swear to God, took a, like a step and a half back. Um, so where, where are you all coming from? And I was like, <laughs> New Jersey. He's like, Let's work on getting you guys home. Um, so yeah, thankful, thankful enough that they easily could have given me a ticket and didn't. Uh, That's really chill. With a lot of again, a lot of heckling coming from the backseat on that one.
1: <laughs> well, and right, hey, cool. Real quick, real quick. I know we were talking about fathers, and we had there was a quick confusion. Yeah. What is this about Harry Greenhouse and being your father? Because we see on AQD all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever is... I see it, it's great.
3: This is so. This goes back to my first season with Riders. Um, Harry Greenhouse kind of took, definitely took me under his wing, as far as like making sure, uh, like the the UVM culture was going to change, and and also just my own personal development. Um, very much became a father figure to me. Uh, so it's it. Took about half the summer. My first year playing, uh, I was pretty quiet because I didn't know anyone. Um, but as soon as how I figured things kind of worked, I guess I, I settled in and started being annoying pain in the ass, um, which he found amusing. Um, so the the father son bond kind of started from there. Um, so yeah, so from the joke, the joke from then on is that Harry Harry is my dad. He's also ian scura's dad so we've got a really weird quirky family going on uh between harry myself and ian scura but it's just a weird it's a boston thing to try and claim me as as their son harry does it um tyler Trudeau and julia bear did it um we went to madison wisconsin for na- uh mqc not MQC MLQ MLQ, yeah. two years ago um so they were basically my babysitters for a whole day while we were waiting for everyone's flights to get in. So they became mom and dad too. Um, and then Greg Bento, definitely not sober after winning. <laughs> I guess Austin came into our hotel room and was like, you know what? I don't care what Harry says. You're my son. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I attract fathers.
0: Are, you, are, are one of them finally going to let you play in the main team,
3: MLQ? Are you going to surpass I'm, Jake? You and Ian I'm can make not it not an all Vermont keeper line. Five. It's like, it's the Boston team over the summer is full of incredibly talented male quaffle players. And, um, we try and push an offense that is very much universal. So it's not, um, not so much hero, like one, one person should be a keeper. It's like, it's very, very much free flowing. Um, but I've been the baby on that team for three years now. I forget. Yeah. Three years. Um. So, this past summer was the first year I wasn't the youngest player on the team. Um, Pick that title. I've got a lot of people ahead of me that are I know are way better and and should be playing. So it's it's mostly just a time of uh, just w- waiting. Uh, the you know, youngest player title. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, I'm so thankful Teskowski decided to play. She's from Brandeis, female chaser. And that's my alma mater. And I I beat I beat her out for second youngest player by like eight days or something we're like eight oh, days apart. Um, makes
0: me feel so bad i played for five years at brandeis including as a grad student and she wasn't on the team until after i graduated even from grad school <laughs> like uh i'm so old
3: convenient timing
0: so how long before people talk about the boston night riders teams and they're afraid of cj and tom instead of jake and max
3: Give it like one more summer. Hey, uh, like that's that. pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Max is already like Max. It's it's a weird case with a lot of the the old old Quidditch players. Now, I don't want to call Max old. He's not that old. He's gonna give me crap for it too. But um, it's exactly. always a conversation of like, for I, I know a lot of people who play club and play ML, um, MLQ. It's like which do they? They obviously enjoy um, the more community aspect of playing club. Um, but love the competitive aspects of playing MLQ. Um, so it's a pretty it's a pretty big divide and toss up. I feel like every MLQ season, whether or not people are gonna stop playing, or they're gonna keep going, or they're getting too old for it. Um, Jake Archibald looks like he's twenty, so he's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> unless my hitman comes through, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's
1: scheduled for next summer based on what you're saying, so what, Jake, watch out.
3: We'll see.
0: All right, cool. I, I think that probably wraps it right up, unless you guys have any other stories you wanted to
3: tell.
1: No, no, hold up. this is, We're not wrapping
0: <laughs> this up. One highlight. Yeah,
1: we there you go. One highlight. Hold <laughs> up, bro. We can't, get, we can't finish this before we find out this story about drinking a shot out of a leg at a fantasy tournament.
2: What? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I don't know if people notice it in Quidditch, um, but I actually only have one foot. So, I'm an I'm a amputee. I have a prosthetic on my left foot. Um, and Steve Bolitsky, who we've already talked about a little bit, um, he and I went to camp together. We were counselors. And during that time, we had made a couple of bets and we eventually decided that the loser of the bet would drink a shot out of my leg. (laughs) (laughs) And when I went to that fantasy tournament, um, uh, King's cup in Rochester, my freshman year, he was also there and our teams happened to play each other and me being a very cocky, freshman was like all right my team's gonna kick your butt and we'll the the loser will drink a shot uh, as it turns out steve is a very good beater um <laughs> and his team won <laughs> so i got to take a shot out of my leg in the middle of uh syracuse new york it was quite an experience
1: <laughs> that, wow <laughs> i genuinely don't know how to respond to that because that's like one of those headlines you read and you're just like, that's fake. That's not real. <laughs>
2: no, there's a picture of me doing it. <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Um, um, so, Tom, this is more your question, I guess. Um, so we mentioned two really good beaters at this uh, in this conversation. We mentioned Steve Belitsky and Max Havlin. If you had to choose one of those two to be your uh, beater partner, who would you pick?
2: Oh my goodness. Um, I, I think I'd still pick Steve, just because I know him. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so we, we and might hey, no, a chemistry's a huge more thing and stuff.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think Max might be a little better overall. Um, but no, I'd definitely pick Steve. It's a lot of fun to be with. And the the reason that you wouldn't be a good beater is because beaters have a specific like build. Um they're they're usually like tall and skinny. And and awful players are, you, are player. they're a little bigger cool. and a little chunkier. CJ is tall. <laughs> CJ's a little chunkier. I am chunky. <laughs> and they're they're much better at running people over.
1: Oh man. How much how much success how much of the success that you guys uh had this year? How much do you contribute to the new jerseys that you got? Everything. Everything? Dude. The, oh I t- forgot we didn't
0: even talk about your tie dye jerseys. The ultimate throwback.
2: Yeah, for us, it wasn't a throwback. It was right, just what
0: we had. But I saw them at regionals. I was like, I remember these from when regionals was in the fort in Rhode Island, and there we are back in Rhode Island, and UVM's back well, with the tie dye jerseys.
3: It was. Yeah. I was placed in charge of, of working out the order um, for getting our new jerseys and stuff. I'd been designing them since freshman year, um, and going to the the senior leadership. And you keep in mind, these are the people who are also like, we're going to keep things casual. We're going to keep things friendship athletes. So I'm like, hey, look at these designs that I've got. Uh, I I've been sketching them. I think they look really cool. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll do. It. And then nothing ever happened with them, because um, like they didn't want. If we got real jerseys, we become a real team. And if we become a real team, then we're no longer friendship athletes. <laughs> I think was the thinking along those lines. So we always kept the tie dye jerseys um, up until this year. The the order and design process with Savage went fantastically but unfortunately we couldn't get them in time uh for regionals so we had to pull the old trick out of our book of just making tie-dye jerseys for the new the new players and wearing those for the first half of the season unfortunately that meant i had to rock a crop top for for the the northeast region because we had gone to skidmore for a tournament just to see how things were going to go with the new the new dynamic and i ran a kit over he grabbed my shirt and i spun out of it uh completely ripped the entire jersey so we just cut it and i rocked the crop top of it was a little short <laughs> yeah. yeah which is probably another reason why people think i'm chunky because they just looked at my belly every single game
2: <laughs> yeah a fair amount of our players at regionals had duct tape on their back to show their number so that was a lot of fun, um, but the jersey, the New Jerseys, are, are really sick, uh, and they're they're six and one, and that one loss is uh, to uh, overtime, over a overtime loss to Rutgers. That's a true nonsense.
1: Oh, game let's not game get into record. that. Come on now.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, we had we had
0: three concussions, a torn ACL, and a separated shoulder by, before that game, game was done. So. That pitch was hey, brutal. Bro, we'll take I the win however we can get Lord. it.
3: I'm never playing on that field ever again. Well, <laughs> <But> the
0: really <laughs> funny thing away. about the the catch, too, was when our seeker caught it, I was screaming at him to sub off, and he ignored me and made the goal. <laughs> no, <get your> <laughs> I was back. so angry at him. I was <laughs> screaming. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, Isaac, what are you doing? But yeah, so. Uh, Sometimes. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, do you guys do you guys consider... you? No, let me rephrase that. Does your team have a rival, do you think? Um, you guys have been playing unofficially for a couple of Don't years. No, worry, right?
0: knock them out at D1, MQC. Hey,
1: there you yeah. go. <laughs> I'd
3: say... Uh, you go. I'll... Uh, yeah, so I, I said... For, I think <laughs> we're going to have the same answer here. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, I, I think we're going to have different answers. Um, okay.
2: So for the first, like, four years, or for the first three years, um, our rival was... Definitely Skidmore, um, because they were an official team, but they went to a lot of unofficial tournaments because uh, they were in the area, and they were pretty good. They were they were bigger than us, and just like sort of ran us over. Um, and my junior year, so last year, we were still unofficial, but we were getting a lot better, uh, and we finally like beat Skidmore and like surpassed them, sort of. Uh, and now I think they're struggling to be official or, or unofficial. I uh, hope they return and become official again. Um, but now I would say this year our rival is probably Tufts, actually. They're much better than us, um, but it's like a friendly rivalship, and, and we've played them, I think, three times uh, this year, and, and it's been a whole lot of fun each time.
0: It's awesome it's you're going to get to play them again next year in D
2: one
3: I was going to take that in a completely different direction. I was not thinking Tufts at all, but that's probably because I know so many people on that team and are friends with them. Like Tom said, it's more like a friend friendly rivalry. Um, I was thinking probably more UMass. We've played UMass a lot. Uh, it's a very traditional rivalry too. In the same pool, um, it's it's just it's they're they're fantastic people off the field. It's just for whatever reason, um, when we happen to play against each other, things get rubbed the wrong way. Um, and when you played close... them at
0: regionals, wasn't it like a crazy long game? Yeah, it was an overtime yeah, it, game. It, it
3: yeah, it was, a... was overtime and yeah, yeah, yeah. went super long. Yeah, um, that was when our Aiden Aiden was concussed in that game. Ooh. I think. Um, yeah. Well, he wasn't concussed. Yeah. He was just
2: he was thrown on the ground by the snitch and yeah. he hit his head, so he had to but sit yeah, out for the rest to... of that day.
3: Um, and then our other our female seeker Megan Brown also was thrown to the ground and hit her head in that game um, so yeah that game just went a really long time and like the longer things go and the tired more people got the scrappier things got um, so yeah I'd say I'd say UMass was probably our biggest rival this year. yeah and even at that regionals
2: um, that was the first time that we had really ever played um, or like a, a majority of the team had ever played in an official game um mm-hmm. so we had some some growing pains and just in general like not knowing what to do and stuff like that so it was it, it was good to get that stuff out of the way um and i, I think that we really grew
3: as a team and you can see that in the difference between our game against new mass in the fall versus our game in the spring yeah much much different results that's
0: awesome yeah, UVM is going to be scary in a few years if, if y'all keep recruiting because like you said first year official you have a, a ton of talented younger players and and everybody already knows how to play good strategy so that's that's going to be dangerous once everybody has experience too
2: we hope so that's the plan <laughs> Yeah, if only we could get a coach that lived up here. <laughs>
0: hey, start recruiting CJ, or anyone listening, if y'all live in Burlington, <laughs> can hit up UVM Quidditch.
3: I got a cool story. I just yeah. realized that. Um, <laughs> so for the for the first part of the season, um, I'm going to completely blank on his name, and I'm going to be really upset about it now. Um, we had an, an officer in 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 Air Force, on campus, right? He was staying in Burlington because we have uh, like a military base attached to the to the airport in Burlington. Um, so he was training pilots uh, how to fly F 35s um, out of out of the airport, but Quidditch in Utah. Um, so he had come to our practice and was just kind of standing there watching. And we're like, "Who is this guy? We should probably go talk to him." Um, found out his story and was very much interested in, in playing with us. Uh, obviously couldn't be official because he's, you know, an adult. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely was a part of practice. So he, uh, in a, like he was very much helpful in uh, being able to teach people. It was more of an old school style. Um, but I think that was the closest we've probably ever come to having a, a, uh, a non-playing coach, even though he did play with us. His his name was Zach. uh, I he played for the Crimson
2: Elite and uh, another team up in Utah. That's really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's really cool how just like, we'll go to random places and we start playing Quidditch and you just meet people and they play Quidditch too and it's just like, wild how small this community really is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that wraps it up for the most part. Yeah,
2: cool. Yeah.
0: Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. For anyone listening, if you want to see UVM's cool new jerseys or or see any of these guys in action, uh, like they said, Ethan Stern's page midline, the midline did the commentary. Ethan and Harry of the UVM BU game from this February. Um, I think the the eighth man Facebook page also probably has some games live streamed from UVM on their the fan Facebook page from Knights Cup. Um, But yeah, thanks guys so much for joining us, and uh, I hope you had
2: a good time. Absolutely, thank you for having us. Like I said before, I think that was a really cool
0: interview. Uh, Two things I need to correct for myself right off the bat. Um, Since then, the Massachusetts Quidditch Conference has announced all of their player awards. Um, Tom, who we interviewed, did win D2 Player of the Year after a vote between fans, captains, and I believe senior players in MQC and Rookie um, of the Year. Even though Aiden Shut won the fan vote, after adding in the other types of votes, Leo Freed came away without a work Leo's out of Harvard. Um, but with that out of the way, what, what do you think, Naresh? What was your favorite part of that interview?
1: <laughs> I think my some of my favorite parts were definitely how their road trip stories about getting lost in the backroads of Vermont, um, and that speeding story especially because. That's just funny. Imagine like a cop pulling you over and you're just all disgusting and you just got this weird jersey on that says Quidditch. Like, how do you explain that? That's pretty funny. Um,
0: yeah, and, and DJ's saying he still has eye black on. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, that must have been fun. Yeah,
1: uh, and then like my other favorite story from that interview was definitely how Tom was talking about how uh, they used to practice in like 25, 30 degree weather just in prep for regionals, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And I think that's a testament to how um, committed they're, they're, that UVM program is, and it showed it during regionals with how well they performed. Um, so yeah, I, I I love talking to those two, and I uh, especially this past year when we actually got to talk to them more, and uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to know them. And I thought this was so much fun.
0: Yeah, it was it was kind of weird that um, obviously they're out of Vermont and, and Rockers is out of Jersey, and we ended up playing them three times this season before. <laughs> Nationals, which obviously never happened which mean, yeah kind of a weird thing super cool to finally get to know them and learn a little bit more about the program hopefully they their new leadership can help it really grow um however switching gears a little bit just before we end um do, do want to give a shout out to the eighth man who are doing two different fantasy fantasy teams one is the all-time quidditch team and one is the all-campus team which is made up of only college players from this last year and maresh is one of the eight gms um, I think at the time of this release, rounds, rounds one and two were done. So what do you think, Nuresh? What's it looking like? Who are you taking next? you going to win? Oh, dude, uh,
1: 100%. Come on now. My team is built, bro. We got MLQ rules. I have John Sheridan, one of the most elite point defenders in the region. And we saw what an elite point defender could do during 2019 MLQ championships. So I'm very excited. And, and, he, played, and, he, and he had serious uh on with the Admirals, Admirals too last year. Oh, yeah, 100%, dude. I'm I'm very excited about the uh, the way my team
0: is set up right now. How um, do you feel about taking a fellow GM and Kobe Kendall sitting <laughs> <fight> around, <laughs> him himself? Oof,
1: yeah, no, that was definitely interesting because I was actually torn between uh, pairing John Sheridan with like Zane Balia and getting that UMD connection, but then I really couldn't pass up on Kobe because Kobe plays beater and seeker, and just the way they their play styles, I think, uh, are so well connected i don't know like i feel like their chemistry would just be natural because of how kobe plays and how john sheridan could really benefit from that so i guess the rest of the way is just going to be me building a team around them and uh we're just going to try to run people off the pitch
0: i mean that's what you set up to do right now if you can get some guys who can hit pretty hard and and run and then you can have a a fun running gun offensive sort of team yeah but uh Uh, i also for the for the the all time team i i personally want to give a, a give a shout out to mario nasa uh, he shows himself in the second round <laughs> love that love that look love, love that confidence and like the announcer said at the time I, I think it was a good pick so i'm happy he wasn't like honest and took somebody worse than himself uh, for that pick
1: oh man dude maybe you could really... sneak in yourself in the 13th round or something Rash. homie i uh, i mean dude if i can get myself in the 13th round that's like the ultimate sleeper because like i'm
0: currently or is, now, is it supposed, supposed to be like playing, like, playing right now I think yeah I no right now. It, i'm
1: in no condition to be playing right uh, now. no if it's like you have a month to train then yeah, yeah that's no good now, on you, your on your acl on but if it's, it's from, from like february, february
0: early february, february before you tore it then i mean hey know, if I, be if if this
1: was uh if this was like if, if i had time to actually get better i think i think the style of play that my team that i'm actually creating i think i would fit well in that team because and you'd be kind of I'd be yeah, kind of a shorter sure keeper,
3: keeper, but yeah, anytime yeah. you got the ball,
0: you you got to get half pitch up to somebody's breaking and yeah, it's, they could get behind the defense.
1: I don't know, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm just very thankful for the opportunity for being selected as a GM and just to be able to talk to these other well-respected uh, players, college players who are all so, so brilliant. Um, it's, it's just been a lot of fun getting to talk to them before the draft and during the draft um but yeah really and shout out to the eighth man again for putting this together and giving us quidditch content for at least the next seven weeks
0: yeah it was was super cool of them to do um and if if you guys want to check that out i think those those two things stream on tuesday nights and thursday nights at like 5 45 on facebook on the facebook so yeah uh with that i think we will call it an episode thanks everyone to listening uh, like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter follow us on Facebook um, I've never done a show like this I'm sure there's other places you could follow us or like <laughs> or rate or something leave comments, tell us in an interview we'll do for the first time ever we already have another interview recorded before this is getting released so we'll, we'll give it away to those who step through to the end <laughs> next week we're going to have Missy Hanley and Arian Goddessy. so we get World Cup three stories and Texas stories in one interview it's really cool Um, but thank Thank you you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time.